0: Hey, I'm Daniel Snyder. This is We Can Bite, And today we're joined by Chris DeMuth Jr., founder of Sifting the World, a Seeking Alpha marketplace service. And we have a lot to talk about. Elon Musk versus Twitter, the expedited lawsuit of the year. And what's going on with Spirit Airlines? I figured we might as well get Chris's insights because he is so big into mergers and ARB trading and everything else. So let's get into it. Let's get Chris into the conversation. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. So give us You know, I'm just going to open it up. What's your take on what's going on with the Twitter versus Elon Musk? And and who do you think has the upper hand at this moment in time? I think
1: this is the final showdown between the rule of law and contracts uh, versus its uh, feistiest, most energetic, smartest, richest, most famous uh, opponent ever. Uh, I don't know who will win. Uh, I do know that if uh, Elon Musk wins uh, with the set of facts as we understand them today, uh, and things can of course change, new things can come to light, kind of with all of the normal caveats, um, that contract law, as we know, is dead. Uh, merger contracts will just become uh, a farce and it changes everything. Um, so, in kind of the world of kind of meme kind of uh, tweets and uh, where there are uh, uh, environments where there's a lot you can do with a hundred million followers and, and enthusiasts, um, but uh, we'll see if he's met his match in the Delaware Chancery Court with the uh, chancellor uh, going to hear this in October.
0: Well, I mean, they're already, you know, there was the the trial just the other day for the expedited lawsuit and you already lost that, right? His, his legal team wanted to push it back. so. Doesn't yeah. kind of give them a little bit of a forewarning of like, hey, you're going to get checked on this?
1: I think that the expedition hearing was quite important. I think both sides made the choice to sneak in quite a bit of substance. Um, it was just in a hearing on when should we schedule it. Uh, however, uh, uh, the Musk lawyer, uh, and um, I think no less of them for this, I think that they have a... Uh, 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 an absurdly weak hand that they're playing well. Uh, they want to go on an open-ended fishing expedition just kind of give us uh, months or years or uh, however long we want to just kind of poke around and see if we can uh, come up with stuff and then kind of dot, 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 insert that stuff into the uh, contract where it's not written, uh, but where they wish it was. Um, and uh, this chancellor is a very smart chancellor. Uh, she uh, has a, a well-tuned BS detector. She saw this coming from a mile away and put uh, a short work of that. Uh, she had nothing to say to the Twitter lawyer uh, halfway through when the uh, Tesla, uh, uh, excuse me, when the Musk lawyer was trying to um, kind of uh, go on and on about how much time they wanted for their fishing expedition. She said, well, how long did IPP Tyson take? Uh, and he Stanford, and she said three months. Uh, so. Uh, Uh, we didn't quite get the September uh, four days. We got October five days. So I think that was kind of 80, 90% of the win. And I think it was a pregnant one in that it kind of made it less likely that there's going to be a lot of uh, enthusiasm for this kind of open-ended random fishing expedition. And instead, this is going to be kind of a Delaware corporate law review of a contract that says things uh, that can be uh, read that are uh, extremely favorable to Twitter. Uh, and then the parole evidence beyond that, which is also extremely favorable to Twitter, uh, on how we got here. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, the fact that in law school, 25 years from now, when a kid raises his hand and asks the professor, what do you mean Uh, by dirty hands. What do you mean? What is a bad actor? I think musk will be kind of a a verb by that point to not musk up a contract Mm -hmm. uh, where you are basically making yourself unable to use language in a contract uh, to terminate. Uh, If he had a reason to, which he does not, Um, but he's not even situated uh, uh, such that he could make claims because he's almost... Uh, uh, a caricature of a bad actor, kind of almost daily uh, violating uh, non-disclosures, non-disparagement, uh, the contract itself, uh, in ways that I think are going to be uh, uh, likely to make a big impression on the court in Delaware. This is what they do. The whole point is, I don't know what else goes on in Delaware, but uh, you know, the vast majority of the whole point of the state is to be a place to quickly, fairly, Uh, lead to deal certainty and where people have already divided up the risks and uncertainties that exist between signing a contract and uh, the culmination of a deal uh, to have that done in a way such that both parties know the risks that they're taking and have only those risks. And the problem with a court, if we didn't have Delaware, is the process becomes the punishment. And that's Mm -hmm. precisely what Elon Musk wants. That's precisely what his lawyers want, which is let's just take forever. We'll just say stuff Um, has nothing to do with the contract itself, has nothing to do with what he signed. Uh, But we'll say stuff and look for stuff. And that will be so bad for Twitter that the board will weaken and eventually offer him much more favorable terms because he can be so punishing using kind of the public uh, for a uh, political campaign against the company. Um, And the whole point of Delaware is so that parties can't do that.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like uh, the SEC should be down in Delaware, right? Like he, he had this whole point where he kind of ran over the SEC until he got caught. And then now he's he's so used to being vocal on Twitter and getting his way. And now he's finally hitting that roadblock. But I've got to I, I kind of wonder from a Twitter's Twitter side of things, right? Like obviously in corporate law, there's a lot of lawsuits that just get dragged out forever yeah. and they have the money and the capital spend to be able to do that. But Twitter's earnings are coming like they could be losing revenue. But also this is this is so big in the media world right now. I don't see twitter getting negatively hit from this i mean if anything it's free marketing right so is this going to continue to be favorable for a longer runway and favorable in twitter's favor and elon should just i mean at what point does he throw in the towel you know i think a
1: lot of that comes down to what his advisors tell him in september so Uh, One thing about being fabulously wealthy is the relatively high cost of his very good lawyers uh, is something he can easily pay. So I think he's having fun with this and he wants to do something. He can be very glandular about his decision-making process. Uh, It's July. I think there's probably pretty small costs of going through August and September as we go towards trial in October. They might learn something from... Uh, there, even though they don't have as much time as they want from a kind of uh, random fishing expedition, uh, they can still try to put that in in discovery. And so their lawyers will get some reaction from the court on the breadth of their discovery. Um, uh, uh, Happily for Twitter, the contract very clearly specifies uh, this is four facts that you need in order to consummate the deal. Uh, They have a reasonable business standard that is um, uh, one that's pretty easy to uh, maintain. So Twitter has a ton of discretion in the contract over what they hand him. Uh, But now he has uh, a a trial and he's going to try to get more than what he needed to contractually for the trial. That's fine. Uh, But then uh, as we get to September, a lot of his subsequent moves really depend on what counsel uh, advises him on, um, and uh, they get paid by the hour, but it's not clear that this is a the hand they want to take through to a decision. Um, so, so there could be, um, uh, you know, courthouse steps is a common time for settlement talks.
0: So, at this point, it's kind of like Elon. Elon doesn't want this at all, right? He's he's over the deal. He wants to just get out with, without it hitting his pocketbook. But also, you know, there's reports coming out talking about. His financing for the deal is completely sound, right? Which I know at one point it was mentioned, if his financing for the deal fell through, then he would be able to get out of the contract unscathed. But it seems like he's backed into a corner at this point. Do you think he'll ever flip back and be like, all right, let's just do this? and, And it goes back to what you were talking about, just trying to get the price down. Is that the new motive is just get the price down and then go back into it?
1: you know, uh, the market reacted favorably to uh, Tesla's quarter uh, last night. Uh, His wealth is kind of creeping back up after having taken a hit so far this year. Um, I think uh, that uh, he's going to have a very hard problem pointing to any problem with financing to get out of this contract, again, because of the dirty hands, again, because he's Just the definition of a bad actor. I mean, there's probably dozens of things you could point to uh, to say that he's not uh, living up to his duties uh, under the contract that he signed. Um, And I think it's problematic if you kind of have a a tendency to go through mania and depression, if you kind of sign a definitive contract in a manic uh, phase. Uh, and then decide uh, you wish you hadn't done the thing that you had done uh, uh, very shortly thereafter, Uh, but that's what happened. Um, The financing as of today is there, uh, but uh, this is uh, a case where if he's responsible for damaging financing, which I think he clearly would be if they walked at this point, Um, that that would be uh, kind of wrapped up in the litigation. And I think a a reasonable uh, judge uh, would decide uh, what uh, this chancellor's decided last year on a very analogous case, um, that if the buyer uh, interferes with the process of getting financing, they can't then point to that to get out uh, for damages. Uh, She, in fact, very specifically said in the scheduling hearing, that it's not clear that this can be solved with damages uh, this is a case for specific performance this is a case for requiring him to close and he can close uh him not liking the precise terms is not an out he could have asked yeah. for that in negotiations he did not
0: yeah so let's boil this down for investors right um for somebody that is potentially a twitter shareholder mm-hmm. what should they be looking to do during this time what would you say
1: uh, another shareholder should think for themselves and do their own work and buyer always beware. Uh, I can tell you what, how I think about it and that might be useful for them, uh, but that's only for uh, me and for my capital uh, and capital that I manage. Uh, but uh, in my view, you can look at how other social media platforms have done since this deal was announced uh and i think it's reasonable to uh, expect a draconian downside um i think twenty dollars give or take a few dollars is is a reasonable kind of standalone value for twitter i think longer term there are things that they could do to better monetize it and optimize it and manage it it's been kind of undermanaged managed uh, to date uh but i would also say that uh it depends why it breaks so if it's fully standalone and there is a determination that there was a material adverse change. Say there was durationally significant, uh, miscounting in a way that was fraudulent, not that was somebody else has a different idea of how they should count. Somebody else having a different idea of how they should manage the company is intrinsic to every single m and deal ever. Presumably somebody else would be trying to buy it if they had no other idea how to do it. But if they uh, uh, monetizable uh, daily active users, the uh, uh, MDA, one of the absurdities in this conversation so far is people are kind of talking past each other on uh, uh, on uh, percentages using different denominators. So it, it's just been a kind of an absurd uh, conversation so far. But if it was fraudulent over long term, you could imagine the stock going to $15 instead of 20 on a ugly break uh, where the company gets nothing. Um, that's the downside that could happen size accordingly kind of size something uh to take into account that could happen um they could recut uh i've been um i've communicated to the twitter board our view on a recut uh is to uh kind of pay for certainty and timeliness although we have a decent amount of timeliness as it is with the court decision given how well we have uh, it's scheduled at this point. Um, But that would be a small cut and kind of September would probably be the right time to think about it. And then uh, we have a contract. We have a contract uh, for fifty four dollars and twenty cents. And it's good. And nothing has changed that is material since that contract was signed. Twitter is not a perfect company. Uh, I think it's worth $15 to $20 as a standalone. It's not close to a perfect company, uh, but it is not a company that's different uh, than uh, the $54 and 20 cent deal uh, that was signed. Uh, the non-litigation aspects left include getting the SEC to sign off on a definitive proxy. I expect that uh, it, it could be even by the time this uh, is uh, uh Uh, Live uh, for viewers, but in the coming days, I expect the SEC approval. I expect a shareholder uh, vote and approval uh, by the end of August. Um, Docs going into the case uh, in September, we know we'll have new filings there. Uh, uh, A uh, trial, if it gets to trial in October. Um, And I think this is one-sided enough that the chancellor could be uh, vocal from the bench. I mean, she's going to want to write a decision here. It's not going to be decided from the bench, but I think that um, there's going to be a lot of clarity uh, in that trial. Uh, interestingly enough, she has two Elon Musk trials that month. She has 10 days of this guy, uh, five on his comp uh, litigation and five on uh, our uh, suit to get him to uh, do the deal that he said he would do. Um, so uh, so she, has, uh, she she's going to uh, have quite a bit of him um and uh so i think that people should look probabilistically at the likelihood that there's that downside uh and the likelihood that this um gets specific performance and we get the money uh, we're owed or that there's a settlement and now when you're doing the decision tree the settlement's not that different a factor and that the same people thinking about the settlement would be thinking about the same upside and downside
0: yeah I want to move on real quick just with you. I only have a view for a few more minutes. Um, I want to get your thoughts on what's going on with Spirit Airlines versus sure. Frontier and JetBlue. Um, obviously, it feels like this has been dragged on forever when we're talking about mergers and everything else. And, and our own Kevin Coran, Seeking Alpha News Editor, wrote up a great piece on it, talking about you know the merger agreement moving to July 27th and, and how uh, Spirit still wants to go with Frontier. But now they have their major stakeholders coming in saying that they're backing um, JetBlue, so I'm kind of curious what What do you think about what's going on with this merger specifically?
1: Uh, Spirit wanted to do a deal f- with Frontier. Uh, Frontier uh, d- does not want to offer uh, anything more, uh, and they do not have the votes for that deal. So uh, they can now. When you kind of control the process, you're kind of player on the field and the ref and so you frequently don't actually lose this vote you can simply uh delay things you don't like and expedite things you do they don't have the votes they're not going to get the votes shareholders don't want this deal Uh, and it was a weird delta between the value of frontier and the value of jet blue from the beginning uh, and through to today Um, i generally uh, don't have a lot of good things to say about how corporations communicate kind of the verbiage they use or how they react to uh, shareholders. I would say JetBlue has been magnificent. Uh, I, I'd say that it feels like a real conversation. You kind of push on something you care about as an investor. I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a spirit uh, shareholder. And from the beginning, I've kind of thought um, JetBlue's made somewhat more sense or obviously way, way more sense from the beginning. Uh, but every time you push back on something procedural, or in terms of certainty, in terms of, Regulatory, the value of the deal, the, what they're offering—it's like a press release comes out a day or two later, kind of reacting. It's just—it's just amazing. They've been—they've uh, been great. Um, and if uh, listening to them in terms of how they interact with the shareholders of the company they want to own is an indication how they run a company, like these are the guys who should own it. Uh, so I think JetBlue has been terrific. I, I sincerely hope that Spirit gets the best and highest uh, deal. Uh, I'm not partisan on who that's from, but from the beginning that's been obviously JetBlue and Frontier hasn't been close. Um, And that's never clearer than today. Um, So hopefully they sign something, Um, but it's gonna be a really tough regulatory process. It's gonna have a widespread, uh, this is an aggressive antitrust regime. And so uh, this is kind of babbling our way to the beginning, not the end, uh, of a deal. Uh, so I'm hoping we get something with uh, a very good contract. Um, uh, but bit, I've just been impressed by how well JetBlue has managed this and, uh, hopeful that, uh, a spirit uh, that just they just seem like they don't like JetBlue. They, these companies don't get along with uh, one another. Uh, but as an investor, that's not my problem. They can, uh, they can work out their differences. Uh, their job is to maximize shareholder value. Um, I think they're running out of their fairly heroic efforts to do things other than that. And I think that they're going to at the last moment uh, do their jobs.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got a great point. It sounds like you're just saying overall bullish on JetBlue, but I mean, you're talking about a company but, but, but on,
1: on their combination uh, for the sake of uh, for the sake of uh, the uh, uh, save shareholders.
0: The merger. Yeah. And the shareholders for sure. I mean, obviously you're talking about an industry right now where, you know, we're talking about consumer sentiment falling. Consumer spending is still elevated, but we're in the summer months, right? Tons of people are traveling. We're seeing the earnings come out from all the airlines and, and they're beating, right? Like people are still spending money on airlines and travel. And obviously you have a couple of big players and you have guys like Spirit and JetBlue and Frontier that are all just trying to continue to take a little bit more of that stake of the market. Uh, So this is one that we'll definitely keep tracking. Uh, Let's go ahead and wrap it up there, Chris. Thanks for taking the time to speak speak with us. We'll have you you. back on again soon to talk about more Twitter and Elon and everything else. But for now, you go enjoy the weekend, okay? There's going to be entertainment and hopefully
1: investment value from Elon in the months ahead with uh, a a higher level of certainty than the likelihood the deal gets done. And that's even pretty sure. Thank you so much, Daniel. Nice to talk
0: with you. Hey, best of luck on that. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Now, let's head over to Seeking Alpha's own Kim Con for next week's Catalyst Watch. And I think I have a feeling, I know what you're going to say, Kim, but go ahead, hit us with the rundown.
2: Well, it's a busy week, but um, yes, it's the Fed. And, you know, look, I mean, you look at all the other events that are on the calendar. We've got five mega cap companies reporting, including Apple, eh, you know, old news. We've got GDP coming out that could actually confirm the technical definition of recession, uh, two quarters of contraction. Uh, eh, The market's already priced that in. Everyone's just like, get me to the Fed. And that's what you get when you get a kind of once in a generation tightening cycle like we've got now. So, you know, by the numbers, we're um, and the markets pricing in a 70% chance of 75 basis point hike. Um, You know, but there is still a chance of 100 basis points. I think, you know, those odds are going to, still fluctuate a little although we're not getting too much more data what did get my spidey sense tingling uh today was the jobless claims numbers which came in and um unexpectedly rose to 251k that's pretty high it's the high you know it's an, um it was down uh, in mid-march around like one in the 160s so it's a pretty significant jump and um renaissance macro, macro research was out today and um, with a tweet and they are saying that they think that the um, cutoff point with the claims numbers rising is 275. And by that, they mean that's kind of a break even where, you know, payrolls stop rising. And that's, you know, a very interesting thing for the Fed to take into, into account because they, you know, the one thing that they could get them through a 100 basis point on pipe pretty easily is this strong labor market that they're having and just that keeps adding jobs and keeping, um, you know, the uh, jobless, jobless rate really low.
0: Yeah, but the to, to counterpoint that, I mean, we're seeing all these major companies, Apple, Microsoft, they're all coming out. They're slowing hiring. So we're seeing startup companies, which usually get hit first, right? They're the most risky. We we were talking about this on stock market live yesterday, is uh, or sorry, on Wednesday was, um, you know, w- we expect to see companies like OpenSea and all these Bitcoin companies and crypto companies that are letting go of employees. But if you have all these major corporations starting to slow down hiring. I, are we going to finally get that unemployment number tick up that usually happens when inflation is getting pulled back down? That that's I think you know, that,
2: that's what Jay Powell is counting on. I mean, he wants to see the labor market um, soften a little, um, you know, and bring down the pricing pressures because they, you know, their goal is inflation. The CPI print was nuts. They, you know, they're you know they they've been looked they've been looking way behind the curve for a long time, and they need to kind of get things moving in the other direction um you know so they're going to be, you better believe they're going to be watching you know what microsoft is saying about their hiring plans for the rest of the year and you know and apple and uh, you know alphabet and you know we're going to get some info on that next week i mean you, that's going to be the most interesting thing about these earnings reports is the calls when they talk about you know hiring and firing and you know kind of the macro environment as they see it
0: yeah just kind of curious off the top of like with apple's earnings what would be the number one thing to watch do you think
2: I mean, if you don't, the um, the supply chain issue still is kind of like, you know, a top of mind on whether they're having trouble, you know, kind of getting, um, you know, the components and, and, and getting that totally sorted out. Um, just because that's from a macro perspective, that's really important from the, you know, that's of keeping prices elevated. Um, you know, as an Apple subscriber, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, Apple shareholder, you're gonna wanna be like, you know, um, looking at their guidance and, um, you know, kind of like, you know, for, for iPhone units and also for, you know, revenues, because, you know, the sheer impact of these, you know, Apple has on the overall market is as well is going to like, you know, that's going to be big, you know, and so, you know, the cash flow concerns are going to be something that can get you a know, mild sell off, you know, you don't want it to be too doom and gloom from Apple and, you know, have the whole market kind of tumble back into bear territory.
0: Well, I mean, you, we saw what the market, how the market reacted when they announced they were slowing hiring. Right, we were in complete you know bull run, and the moment that news came out, I think it was like around 1 or 130, we had that tank. So, I mean, the market definitely loves to react to how Apple uh reports and communicates, apparently, they, <laughs> so. they do definitely. But then
2: you look at the next day, and the Nasdaq went up more than three percent. So, you know, it's you know, it's an ever shifting landscape right now,
0: it's super volatile. So, we'll keep an eye on it. Thank you so much, Kim, for Catalyst Watch. We'll see you next time. Thanks, week, right? so, before we get out of here, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, follow, comment, leave a podcast rating review, depending on where you're watching or listening to this content. It really helps us get this information out to other people like yourself. And until next week, I'm Daniel Snyder. This is Weekend Bite. take care.